What's up, everybody? Welcome to Talking Out Podcast. This is your girl, Gabby. KT. Joy is not here, but we got a guest with us coming all the way from Clearly Misunderstood Podcast. Miss Cortland Janae. What's up, y'all? Whoop, whoop, whoop. Can you please... Wait. Can you please tell everybody a little bit about your podcast and where people can find you and all that good stuff? So I am one third of the Clearly Misunderstood podcast, the only podcast with a disclaimer for being dangerously funny. So make sure that you all listen responsibly. Um, you can find us on uh, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher. Just search Clearly Misunderstood. And shout out to our Twitter and Instagram. You can follow us at CMU Radio if you are looking for a lot of laughs and we basically like Ricky Smiley Show slash Breakfast Club vibe and more ignorant mm-hmm. <laughs> we're the right podcast for you so you should definitely check us out at CEMU Radio yes check them all out check them all out and tell them that we sent you and head on over there to our social media Facebook at Talk It Out Podcast Instagram at Talk It Out Podcast Twitter at Talk It Out underscore pod. Listen to us on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash Talk It Out, as well as wherever you can find a podcast, you will find us there. And I think that's pretty much it. Let's get into this conversation. Now, when I came up with the questions for this, I thought that Joy was going to be here. So <laughs> <laughs> we all thought Joy was going to be we here. We all thought, you know, how, you know how it is. So KT is here and she's the lone white woman. So she can't really that she can't really contribute to these conversations. But she'll kind of be our moderator, you know what I'm saying? And uh, okay. she'll she'll say a word or two where it fits. <laughs> so <laughs> because it's black, still Black History Month, we're gonna kind of stay in the realm of Black history and Black folks. Um, so there was a discussion on Twitter this week about Black people, and they were pretty much saying that Black people only embrace. African history or African people when it has to deal with royalty or um, privilege or something like that. Have them having money and gold and whatever. I retweeted it and said that I think that black Americans tend to do that with our own history. I think sometimes we don't like seeing the images of slavery and poverty and pain and we really champion to see those stories of um, rich, rich African Americans or rich Africans or whatever, and we kind of mm-hmm. we're kind of ashamed of the 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 poor the poor black people in our history. What what do you think about that? Do you think that's true? Do you think we or you know we we embrace all of our history? We're not discriminatory about it. So here's the thing. I don't feel like black people are ashamed of our history. If anything, I feel like sometimes we can be more ignorant to it as opposed to ashamed. Okay. Um, and, you know, maybe that's just a little personal bias for my own self, because I know that I, I'm a terrible black person when it comes to like being educated on black history. Like mm-hmm. I think I took like maybe one African-American studies class in college. And yeah. that was pretty much it because I like double electives. <laughs> but um i feel <laughs> i feel like um i feel like we, sometimes we can be more ignorant but it's like as opposed like talking about like the you know us being ashamed of the slavery part i mean who wants to claim a slave like ain't nothing about that cute or fun or empowering but i think we're just 
tired of seeing our history only told through that lens okay. of slavery and pain and poverty. Don't nobody want to hear that all the time? Like we want, that's why we rally to see, you know, uplifting images of ourselves in the media and, um, and rally to see those, those parts of our history because we tired of seeing people talk about slavery and the underground railroad and all that kind of stuff. It's like, yeah, we get it. We know where we came from. And I don't think anybody's ashamed of that. Like if anything, that is empowering in itself seeing what we came from but it's just like we have been conditioned to only really look at that part of our history like black history didn't just start with slavery you know what i'm saying but right. that's kind of like what society centers around black history so it's like we just like it's more like a check like nah we you know our history just ain't slavery like there's other beautiful parts of it although i feel very empowered that i came you know from that and my people conquered that that ain't the only thing i want to talk about all the time right and uh, I think who was that? Uh, actually, the the director of Black Panther and Michael B. Jordan. They they said they're working on a project. Um, what's the African King King Mutsa, whatever. They're they're yeah. about to work on that, and a lot of people are excited about that. But it, but here's um something else that I see. A lot of times people say yes, of course, our history didn't start with slavery, of course. But then they go to Africa and say, yes, because back in Africa, we were kings and queens. Like, they're mm-hmm. in, in a monarchy. Everybody can't be a king. Like, that's not the way it works. <laughs> if there is a king, then everybody else is pretty much subservient. And they might be poor, working class. I think sometimes we kind of have a, a classes mentality around the mm-hmm. way we view Africa as well. Like... I, I actually find pride. My, my ancestors don't have to be kings and queens. I would be prideful if I, I if I just found out what tribe they were from. And if they right. were just some lowly, like they grew some yams and stuff. I would still find pride <laughs> yes. in yes. that. Like they don't have to be the best. But do, do you sometimes see that? Because, you know, there's a lot of talk of Pan-Africanism and stuff. But when they talk about that, they're usually just talking about Egyptians, which they're not West African. And then right. we were kings and queens and we need to be be kings and queens, you know. I mean, and I mean, it, it all depends on how you look at it, honestly. I mean, I don't think that, <laughs> I don't think when people say, you know, we were kings and queens, uh, that that's like, I, I think everybody is aware of the fact that not everybody could be a king and not everybody could be a queen. Mm-hmm. But I think, again, it's like we are just like beating over the head with the stigma of like black poverty. Mm-hmm. and um you know our, our our history from slavery and stuff like that that it's like you have to like tell yourself from an uplifting standpoint like this is not all i am this is not this is not not all of my lineage like my lineage didn't start with slavery like mm-hmm. i can trace my lineage back to kings and queens even if it's not directly my lineage it's like of my people's lineage and i just think it's like to remind us to like remind us like you know we we're more than that. Like we're more than what, you know, what's the negative stereotypes that society like paints of us. But I mean, yeah, I would totally be satisfied just figuring out what tribe my people came from as well. Cause I mean, you know, I, I, I hope they didn't just make yams, uh, grow yams. But, I mean, that's you cool know. with me. I like yams. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but yeah, okay. I can, I can see, I can see your point, especially, I mean, black life. It's we're, we're struggling even now in 2018. So there is a need sometimes to uplift and, you know, mm-hmm. just some positivity in our lives. I just think yes. that it's important also to, to look at 
what we are viewing as accomplishments and what we are viewing as empowerment. Because sometimes it does delve into classism a little bit. Like, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know because, like I said, everybody couldn't be a queen. But even now in America, sometimes the people that we uplift as black excellence are people that went go to Ivy League schools, people that are making millions of dollars and stuff like that. Like we, we still kind of mm-hmm. view things through that lens, and I'm like, well. Sometimes mm-hmm. we have to start viewing empowerment as just black people just living their lives and doing good and stuff like that. It doesn't always have to have money or these. You just want the gap to be acknowledged. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it's either like slave, like it's either like black excellence, black excellence now, slavery, and then skip over all of that and go back to when we were kings and queens. Like I get <laughs> what you're saying. Like, that, like there's a gap right there that we're totally, <laughs> totally ignoring. So no, I feel that like. It's, it's almost kind of like uh, it's like black people just existing isn't enough. You know mm, what I'm saying? Like yeah. just our existence isn't enough. Like you want like I want to know the whole thing. Uh, but it's like, you know, we don't holler black girl magic and black excellence until it's like a 13 year old scored a higher IQ than so and so or something like yeah. that. You were like, yes, black excellence. It's like, nah, like my love, my homeboy, you know, who got to be on his report card. That's black excellence. too. Exactly. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. Like, I, I, I uh, follow Kinfolk Collective, and, and she talks a lot about that. Like, the way that we, we talk about black boy joy or black girl magic. Like, we don't we talk about black girl magic for, like, the, the women that are at Afropunk that have, like, some purple braids in their hair. But what about the quote-unquote ghetto black girls that are in high school with the mm-hmm, multicolored mm-hmm. braids that, you know, don't mind wearing, uh, eating hot Cheetos and, and dancing to the lake? <laughs> like, that is, that's black girl magic. They're living their, they're living mm-hmm. their, black life in a black America and just doing their own thing that's black girl magic and like you said your your, your cousin getting a B like all this stuff should be celebrated <laughs> but you know we 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 don't really do that that much so yeah, yeah I feel you yeah um KT you don't have none it's not oppressive believe me in quote-unquote white communities not really a community but in white communities like these type of conversations don't happen at all I feel like with white people they're consistently praised for like the smallest the little bittiest tiny thing ever Mm -hmm. so these type of conversations are never something that we would even have it's always about what kind of beer you're gonna drink or something like that (laughs) like it's never anything um that has any type of like constructive conversations and things but it's like we can't even one of the reasons we can't really or we don't really praise just being is because in white America we already know you gotta work twice as hard, yeah. sometimes three times it's just as hard. hard to get it. Right, you to to be even recognized as somebody that should even be in the conversation. Yeah. Like so, we so mm-hmm. we have to. So sometimes we praise those people because those are the people that are praised by white America. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, well, they must really be doing some good if the white folks think they're doing good. But I mean, <laughs> there's lots of folks doing good. You know what I'm saying? We can segue this into, you know, everybody's talking about Black Panther, so we had to talk Black about Panther, it. Wakanda forever. Wakanda, but, you know, it's, it's some controversy around it. <laughs> what do you say to the people that are saying that Black Panther, the movie, is um, shows a negative light 
towards black people or particularly black men in America. Do you think that's an accurate critique of the movie or do you think people are just just making stuff up? Wait, you're saying that people are saying that the movie is kind of like shining a negative light on black men? Yes. In America? Black American men. I mean, I'm I'm not hearing that. What have you heard? Um, yes, uh, you know, I, I follow Yvette Carnell, which I claimed I was going to unfollow, but her stuff is just so good. I just, <laughs> it's so controversial. I can't stop. Anyways, she's saying that Killmonger is pretty much a representative of a lot of black men in America who have had to struggle, who don't have a father around, this, that, and the other. He is the sole black American man in the story. And his rage is not clearly explained throughout the movie. You know, we know he was left alone, but we really don't know what he went through while he was growing up. His mm-hmm. he kills he kills a black woman. His you know he's pretty much ruthless. And oh yeah, he I mean he was definitely choking holes out. I mean yeah, I, I saw that right. And so they're saying <laughs> he's the only black American man in the movie. He really doesn't have too many redeemable qualities. He isn't allowed to live at the end of the movie. And he you know he really it really doesn't show black men in the best light. What what would you say about that? Okay. So here's the thing. I feel like every character had a lot of layers to them and are very complex that I feel like everybody kind of wishes was a little bit more um, unpacked mm-hmm. in the movie. I mean, I, didn't they say like the, the first edit of Black Panther was like four hours or something like That's that? That's what they said, like, yeah. I would have gladly, I would have gladly sat in that theater for four hours to get all of that just to like... Yeah really dive into the characters right um but i think that i don't think killmonger is like a representative of the black man if anything i feel like killmonger is he's kind of like a rep like he's kind of like a representation of the strained relationship between africans and Mm african-americans that's more so like what i felt like he was symbolic of because like black panther like touched upon like a lot of different issues in the black community whether it was subtle or not so subtle like you know like black panther tackled uh touched upon colorism without uh you know bringing it up at all just by all the female leads being Uh dark-skinned um so it's just like they touched upon a lot of different issues and i just feel like this was their way of talking about that issue because there is like there is a strained relationship between african-americans and Africans, and it's like it's funny because, like, I mean, I know I said what kind of forever at the beginning uh, of the segment, but it's like I see like all these tweets about people talking about, you know, I want to go to Wakanda. Where can I book my plane? And I'm like, y'all all forgetting the fact that if we all showed up at Wakanda, though, like, you're not welcome there. <laughs> exactly. Like, like you ain't got no Wakanda mark in your upper lip. Check your lower lip, fam. Like, ain't no Wakanda mark there, bro. Like. They're not going to let you in. Although I did see some fool on Twitter who had like Wakanda tattooed in his. I saw that. I'm just like, okay, that's too much. But anyways, yeah, like there's no Wakanda mark there. So we wouldn't even be welcome in Wakanda. And so I just feel like that's what the rep, that's what Killmonger is supposed to be representing. Because like, I feel like, um, you know, Africans do kind of feel like African-Americans are like lost. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a void between us and um we're not as well connected as we should be you know for for whatever reason you know like i I admitted earlier like i'm very 
um, ignorant to my African roots. Like, I, I don't know a lot of black history, and I, I, I definitely don't know much about, like, African history and, like, tracing back, you know, my lineage. And, like, you know, I feel like Africans can feel like, okay, you want me to call you my brother, my sister, but you don't even know where you came from. Mm. Um, and it's more so popular with, like, uh, first-generation uh, African immigrants who came over to the States. I feel like second and third generation, like, they're more acclimated to, like, black American culture. Um uh-huh. But I feel like, you know, that first generation is like a friend of mine even told me, actually, so my co-host, he was saying how one of his African friends was telling him that um, their parents, they're Nigerian and their parents actually refer to uh, black people as some Nigerian term. He couldn't remember what it was, but it it stands for the lost ones. Mm. So I feel like that's what Killmonger represents. I don't think he's this sole embodiment of the black man and how black men step on women and all this kind of stuff. Cause I mean, yeah, every, you know, like, yeah, that happens, but that's not the sole, you know, that's not what all black men are doing. So mm-hmm. I don't feel like he's a, this personification of the evil black man. Like, nah, bro, like y'all, nah, that's too much. He had his good intentions, but he just went about it the wrong way. But that's cause he had his own personal anger issues. But I don't think he was the embodiment of a black man. I I I kind of saw what they were saying from the frame point of, okay, this is a movie that is getting not only black people like it, but it's getting a lot of white liberal praise. And whenever mm-hmm. the white liberals start liking something, I, I kind of side eye because I'm like, okay, what are the underlying messages of this? <laughs> um, now I'm not saying they were saying that. Killmonger was the embodiment of black man but I think the movie did kind of reinforce some of the ideals that they tend to cling on which is that native African people tend even though you know this uh, minus the poverty and stuff like native African people that have money and wealth tend to be um, accepted a little bit more by those white people than the mm-hmm. quote unquote wretched hood black folks uh, yes, that's from yes. ghetto and and i've seen that in my, my own life my god sister is um my god parents they're african and my god sister is a first generation african immigrant and she talks about that a lot um she definitely was was way more accepted granted her mom <laughs> came from wealth like they were extremely wealthy in africa and so she kind of did have a upper hand than majority of us black americans did and so i kind of mm-hmm. do think it kind of reinforced that like the wakandans they were african but they were so advanced mm-hmm. technologically and they had to come to america to save the black people and they didn't give the the, the black americans their money but you know they started mm-hmm. those um, community centers, which the liberals love but to I'm do. But I'm gonna and... build you a little community center. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'm gonna yeah. show you my little spaceship, <laughs> but I ain't, you ain't about to ride in there. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was like, that—that's what got me. I was like, come on, are the Wakandans really these the heroes of this movie, or are they just? I kind of viewed them as your typical rich white liberal person who, you know, they don't really want to do too much, but they'll they'll kind of start a little this and a little that to to help your community a little bit. But as far as making sacrifices to help you uh, build yourself up, they weren't really going to do that. So I love the but movie, see, but it was I, feel I like, saw that. But I also feel like you can't put Wakandans like in a box because. If you look at it, and I, I've, I've I've read several articles on this, but if you look at it, Killmonger and um, what's Lapita's character? Uh, N- Nakia. 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 Mm-hmm. Nakia uh, the 
every time I see it, I, I say it, I feel ghetto. Like, what's her name? Not Kia, but it's like, you know, Nakia. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Killmonger and Nakia are almost the same person. Like, they have same, the same aspirations. Like, they both feel... Like, they both feel like black America should be liberated, should be helped. But right. Killmonger is just crazy. So that that's that was his problem. He was crazy. But it's like, Nakia, she still wanted the same thing, but she just knew that he was going about it wrong. And I feel like, you know, she was able to influence T'Challa to, you know, to have that same sympathy as well and realize, you know, that, that black people do need help. Um, so I feel like you can't put all of Wakanda in a box when it comes to that. But because I feel like Nakia and Killmonger had the same aspirations, but Killmonger was just, you know, psycho. So right, if Killmonger wouldn't have gone killing everybody and then come up to to T'Challa and say, "I've been thinking about killing you and your daddy," uh, right? Since, you know, I think like, it would have been a little bit. Better. How you yeah. choke out Aunt Jemima in the in the garden? Like how you? How That's you how I knew. Grandma? I was like, he ain't really here for the black folks. He just just trying to do what he want to do. <laughs> Because you ain't finna choke out no elderly elderly woman. Like, that don't even make sense. Saying. Like, he legit choked out shit mama. Like, who does that? Like, <laughs> they do that, bruh. Like, that's not cool. <laughs> and everybody, like, with these Team Killmonger and t- Team T'Challa shirts, I'm like, sign me up for T'Challa because Killmonger's out here choking out hoes. Like, that's not cool. That, I was, because I, I saw that when I first finished the movie, I was like, okay, I can see why people were going for Killmonger. But then I was like, I thought about it. I was like, uh-uh. Why are people going for Killmonger? Right. <laughs> like, why? Right. And then I thought about and why are people like, going I for T'Challa? So I really didn't, you know, I'm not for any of I them. Mean, I felt sorry. I felt sorry for Killmonger because, like, his, like, he was hurt. Like, and I know that that was a lot of the root of his anger. Right. But just like he was just so, he was the fact of like everything that he did to get to that point was very calculated. But it was just like weird that once he got on the throne, like he low key didn't really have a plan. You know, he like, didn't. He just, he was that, like, that I'm going to give all this vibranium and weapons to these random p- black people <laughs> in the hood. I was like, how can this go wrong? How can this? He, he had to like, if you had a plan, you had to like go to those hoods and make sure the people you were giving them to knew the plan, knew what they were going to do. No, I'm just throwing, I'm- throwing weapons. I mean, he did say that he had a few war dogs or whatever, like, stationed throughout. So, I mean, I guess he had kind of sort of a plan. Uh-uh. But it was like, you know, at the end of it, like, the core of it was just like, he like he wanted to see blood. And you know what I'm saying? And that's what I'm yeah. saying. Like, Nakia and Killmonger, like, that's where they differ. Like, Nakia wasn't trying to see blood. Like, she just wanted to see, you know, everybody to, to rise up. But, like, ain't nobody trying to see blood. Like, that's where, like, you know, Killmonger and that, but... I mean, he definitely had a rage that was deeply rooted that I know that people, some people are frustrated that he did die because it's like, okay, we want to know more about him. And, you know, not to say that writers can't figure out the way to write that in or whatever. And, you mm-hmm. know, it's, at the end of the day, it still is a superhero movie. So, I mean, he right. come back, you know, but I mean, he definitely had several layers that needed to unpack. That needs to be unpacked and that's starting these conversations. And I feel like, you know, they, there's probably going to be a, a you know, a, a, where, a opportunity for him to come back just because he's so com- complex and people love his character so much. Right, I right. can't imagine him not giving us another dose of Killmonger. Like, I just can't imagine it. Right. Yeah, people, people, they like Killmonger. He, he'll make them some more money if they say, he came back, you know. <laughs> I want to say, like, I think it's really interesting the fact that they killed him in the first movie because, right. like, in all the other Marvel movies, all of the, like, 
villains and things like that live for like movies on top of movies on top of movies Mm -hmm. on top of movies and tv shows and all types of crazy stuff so i think that's like kind of racist like why (laughs) why would you all of a sudden like that gets into the argument kt of the fact that maybe killmonger really isn't your villain he was an antagonist like maybe there's a bigger villain or you know something else that may be brought in why didn't um, they just let did... Claude be the villain? Like, why they have to be? That's why else. that? Yeah, that's a whole other thing. The whole thing. movie like, was just them finding each other. Why couldn't Claude have just brought some white people and it could have been black against white? And people? and I want to say like <laughs> from the um from the comic. Now, Gabby, that's oppressive. <laughs> <laughs> See, they didn't want that. The liberals didn't want that movie. <laughs> no, but like from the comic, he was the main villain. Like I was reading where uh the original Black Panther was like some comic. Claw was the villain the whole time, like throughout the entire comic. And then going forward, he was the villain. So it just didn't make sense why all of a sudden, oh, here's Killmonger. And yep, now he's dead. Like, I didn't get that. It didn't make sense to me. Oh, I mean... <sighs> Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I feel like Claw, like, kind of, like, played his role. Like, um, I was reading, um, what's your girl name? Her blog is, like, Awesomely Lovey or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, she was saying that Claw was kind of, like, the representation of, like, white greed in America. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And, like, you know, that colonizer mentality of, you know, uh, like, you know, how he didn't feel like, Wakanda deserve vibranium. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like they don't even deserve it, so I'm gonna go over there and take it. So I feel like he served his purpose. I just feel like, you know, maybe the story is just being crafted in a way that, you know, we're not expecting. Like, you know, that there's a that there was an even bigger villain than Claw, which was Killmonger, but then is he even a villain? Is he more of an antagonist? Like and then just like all of these issues, like I said, in concepts that's like that's uh that we struggle with in the black community mm-hmm. that was just like interwoven all throughout the movie. I think we're in for something bigger than what we you know than than what the expectation was when it comes to Black Panther and the original story that was written. Well, now if the next one they're fighting a zombie or an alien, I'm gonna be mad because these other <laughs> ones they've had real people, and so I want to see real people. And then also people are saying, why are people going so deep into it? This was a political movie. Yeah. Like they made mm-hmm. K- K- Killmonger intentionally political. Like it was about oh, yeah. you know. So these these conversations are important. So they better have an overarching villain that is white and bigger but than Claude. Here's the things. So isn't there like uh, Avengers Infinity War or something like that? That's supposed to come out and, and Black Panther's in that. Uh-huh. So we get to go back to Wakanda for that. We You know, we get our, our little entry for that. And then there's going to be a Black Panther 2. So I feel like there might be another villain that's introduced in Avengers that we weren't expecting. And then that'll lead way for Black Panther 2. So I just... I. I it is a little confusing why they kill Killmonger off so soon, but like I said, I just feel like his his character is so complex. I feel like they're going to figure out a way to bring him back, and there's just a lot more to the story that's going to be unraveled once the Avenger movie come out and Black Panther's in that. So Okay. Well, I want to ask one more question about um, Black Panther that will segue into our conversation on gender bias. Um, do you think Black Panther was a feminist movie? I mean, I guess, I guess yes, because at the end of the day, feminism is really just equality. So, yes, but I don't think it was like, I don't think it had a, 
like the stereotypical feminist agenda, if that makes sense. Okay. What you think, KT? You can answer this one. <laughs> <laughs> can you repeat the question? Is Black Panther a feminist movie? <laughs> um. I want to say that it was a uh, uh, like a a white liberal movie. Does that make sense? Was it feminist? Was it a feminist? Like my definition of feminist or? Yes, sure. I think that it brought conversation. Um, as a feminist, I think that's really important to have conversations, constructive conversations mm-hmm. about things. But at the same time, I don't feel like, well, I don't know. That's a good question, Gabby. So, okay. So like, I just Google, shout out to Google, um, <laughs> feminism and like, the, like the definition of feminism is the advocacy of women's rights on the basis of the equality of the sexes. So in that Looking at the definition, I would say, yes, Black Panther was a feminist movie because I didn't I can't recall a scene where a woman, you know, was put down or seen as inferior. If anything, women were the backbone of, you know, of Wakanda, of T'Challa. Like he really couldn't he really honestly could not make a move without women in his life he really couldn't um, that was the that was the thing yeah he could not make a move he could not make a, a, a an extreme decision uh you know the women in his life were the ones who brought him back to life like he he needed the you know the women in his life and it i think it was like touching upon how like black women really are the backbone of the black community um and just like kind of like an example of like our strength and stuff like that but um so yeah i would say in that sense it was a feminist movie I don't think that was the only move type of movie it was, but it was a feminist movie. I can see where you're coming from. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, um, so I think that overall, I love that they had black women or African women or whatever in those general roles, in those roles where they were fighters and warriors. It wasn't like... Uh, they need the man's help. They, what you call? What's her right. name from? What's her name from Walking Dead? There was Dead? no Captain Save a Hole with the black women in black pants. Whatever her name, the general lady. She she took about. on about twenty men on that balcony all by herself. She had it, you know. <laughs> then, I think that's what her name yeah. was. And uh, sure, sure, Shuri, uh, Shuri, Shuri. I, yeah, Shuri. I, I don't have names, but yeah, she was smart. She created all that technology by herself. I think that was 100% amazing. And I think that's really, really good for black girls to see. Because girl, yes. there ain't no black women yep. superheroes. Like, they, they ain't even got nobody to look up to. So, this is just really good for them to see. Now, if we're going to get really, really, really deep into feminist thought and the radical feminist thought and, and think about... <laughs> And think about, okay, these women are fighting. Like you said, majority of the time, Black Panther wouldn't have made it at all if these black women weren't by his side. Why mm-hmm. is the movie called Black Panther? Like, <laughs> 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 that's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. Like, if you think about it, you think, like, I, that's me, I'm kind of like, I don't know. Like, it doesn't really that's a good feel point. Like, 
it doesn't really feel like a feminist movie. I mean, it does, but I think it panders more to uh, people who are not so, like you just said, in depth with the feminists. Right, on the, the people that just kind of dabble, kind of know what feminism is, it's yeah, great. I mean, it's great yeah. for the children, it's great for everybody like that, but it's also interesting to think about that this dude died, it took the women to bring him back to life, he didn't even want to be king, uh, mm-hmm. the women had to pretty much protect him when they were over there in the casino, like... It, it, they pretty so Gabby, much. What you saying? You feel like the movie should be called Black Girl Magic? Like what you? I to think say? it should have been. <laughs> or what's the name of the little the 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 warrior women? I think they need their own movie. Absolutely. I think that oh, would no, be I amazing. Saw a petition on um for Netflix uh to do some type of like TV uh, TV series on the the army. I, I definitely just Absolutely. saw that on Facebook. Or even Nakia. Nakia was over there saving those child slaves. But when Mm -hmm. uh, T'Challa came down there, like she was pretty much single handedly about to save all those women. She was Mm -hmm. doing the doggone thing. Um, She was. She was. So um, I don't know what to say. In my radical feminist, I'd say it really wasn't a feminist movie, but it was really good representation for our girls. And when my when my little Taylor bug gets older, I'm going to show the movie to her and show her that she can be a bad A and kick butt <laughs> as a woman. Mm-hmm. And she can and be her be own bald. Black Panther. And be bald you and shave all her hair. You can be a bad bitch and be bald. And be bald. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I, I love that. Overall, I love the movie. I love the, the just seeing all those black people. I, I just love seeing all those black people on on the on the uh, mm-hmm. movie screen. So it was good. All right. Oh so yeah, it was definitely dope. Let's segue on into this conversation about gender bias in the workplace because I, I was told that this is not a real thing in two thousand and eighteen that women do not suffer from any type of discrimination in two thousand eighteen. Everybody <laughs> pretty much has a equal um equal place in in the workplace so what do you guys think do you think as a woman you have had to um go through discrimination while in the workplace or no you want to go first uh i'll i'll go first i guess because i feel like i don't have as much to say about it okay because i think it's hard for me as a black woman to um separate discrimination of being black and then so you know like in my um my nine to five is human resources Mm -hmm. and in my office like I am the token black girl so there's a lot of like discrimination that like I don't even want to call it discrimination it's probably more so like a lot of microaggressions that Uh I experience and it's more so like targeted to the fact that I'm the only black girl in the office. Um, so it's kind of hard for me to separate, you know, like the gender bias of just being a woman and that type of discrimination. But I mean, I feel like, yeah, it, it definitely still exists. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how many women are working there with you? Is, is it predominantly women? Now, see, that's the thing about it. Uh, it is predominantly women. So, okay. <clears throat> Like my boss, who uh, is a very interesting person, he's he's the only male. Well, there's two there's two white males in my office. Mm-hmm. Um, so he would feel like you know, well, actually, in our department, you know, I'm the minority because no, I'm the white Lord. male or something <laughs> like that. Um, yeah, he's that type of guy. Um, so yeah, it is predominantly woman based, but like I said, um, you know, I feel like a lot of the 
well, a lot of what I experience is because I'm black as well. Mm. Um, so I don't, I don't know. Okay. Okay. T, what about you? Okay. So, um, I work in a call center where it is predominantly women. Absolutely. Uh, but we do have a few men that slip through the cracks and uh, with that being said, all of these few men, eventually, within literally months, uh, are promoted in some way, fashion, or form. Um, I've been at my, my job for about two and a half years, almost three now, and it took me about two years to actually even be promoted at all. But there's a guy who is a, a lead uh, there at my job, and he was only at the call center for three months, and he doesn't know jack about jack, and he is um, in a position of power. Um, so yeah, I think gender bias definitely happens where I work, and uh, to kind of piggyback off of what you said, um, I eventually became a trainer, and in the little training group, it was me, um, a black woman, uh, actually it was two black women and three white women, including myself. And once that happened, we got a new, uh, we got a new supervisor in training and he basically fired all of the black women and kept the <clears throat> white women in positions in the training position. So like, not only does my friend have, you know, to deal with the fact that there's gender bias, she also has to deal with being black. Mm-hmm. That's so crazy. Like, it's not crazy to me, but it's, it's fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. And, and the thing is, like, even if you are trying to work towards, hey, you know, I've only been in this position for six months and she's been here for a year and a half. Why are you not demoting me as well? Then these people, like, get upset with you and then because you are rooting for someone else, they demote you. And it's like, it's just mm-hmm. so much going on that people do not actually look at or think about in the workforce. And I can't believe someone said that. Gender bias isn't a thing. No, of course. Probably a white man. Probably a white man. Exactly. (laughs) It's always the ones that don't suffer anything that claim to know what's going on with everybody Mm -hmm. else. I ain't got time. Okay, my my situation's a little different because the job I'm at is predominantly black women anyway. Um, But I will go back to when I was in school. Um... And the gender bias I I experienced there at a predominantly white school, I saw that, you know, a lot of times being black and being a woman is intertwined. But sometimes you can see the gender bias in the way they treat black boys and the way they treat black girls. Now, Mm. when it comes to teachers and stuff, a lot of times the black boys will get harsher punishment and stuff, suspensions and stuff like that. But just as far as being treated, the way they're treated in those schools, a lot of time those black boys are treated way better than black girls, especially if they can play a sport and they're, um, you Mm. know, they're even if they're cool good and academic like if they if they just have some type of cool they will be treated a lot better than black girls Mm -hmm. i remember um 
shoot uh, majority of the black girls i uh, hung with were pretty cool and chill you know we be like listening to hip-hop music and stuff like that and a lot of times we would just be joking around having fun laughing doing stuff black girls do but i remember one time one of my quote-unquote white friends was saying oh yeah talking to those about those black girls yeah those are the ghetto girls over there they always so loud this that, and the other and then like all these other white people chimed in yeah yeah they just this and they just that <laughs> and then the black dude from the basketball team come over there and like hey dude what's going on dude what's up what's up what's up i'm like no this this is not this is not the way it works we're mm-hmm. uh, we're all black why are you treating the girls different than you're treating the guys but mm-hmm. i don't know what that is i guess they think that the guys can provide them with the service like they can win basketball games for them so then they have value but the the girls mm-hmm. that don't play basketball or they don't play any sports yeah uh, they're just taking up space and they just being loud it's it's interesting the I way that, like, that works I, I think it's almost like um with uh with the black boy or with the black man it's almost like a hate or love type of relationship that mm-hmm. i think society has with black men like if you are you know if you're a source of entertainment with like sports or something like that mm-hmm. then you're glorified right but if you're you know if you just kind of like exist or you know are a troubled child or you know a, a child that seems like has that has behavior issues you know, they throw him to the fire, right? Like, right, oh, he's right. bad, he's ghetto, he's a hoodlum, blah, blah, blah. So it's like society kind of has a, a love-hate relationship when it comes to black men. They either love you or hate you, um, or they feel threatened by you or love you. <laughs> right. And I think with the black woman, it's more so like the expectation is just for, like, by default, we're supposed to be smart or, mm. you know, well-mannered or blah, blah, blah. Like, it's like just kind of like get lost in kind of like that default of what they expect from you as a black woman um, exactly but i was i was i was kind of gathering my thoughts while i was talking and when i think about my workplace when it comes to gender bias what suck what sticks out to me is i think that the gender bias is not um does not go away just because you hire a whole bunch of a whole bunch of women in a role right mm-hmm. You have to think about when these women, when we do get in positions of authority, you know, a director or whatever, I find that sometimes I, I looking at my boss's boss, I feel like sometimes she can play scared. Mm. Um, whereas, you know, if somebody else uh, comes into a similar role and they're more about, you know, they're more straightforward, they handle business. But it's like, I wonder <clears throat> if she plays scared sometimes. Because it's like when a woman is straightforward, you know, she's a B-I-T-C-H, right? Right, right. Or she's nagging or what, you know what I'm saying? Or yeah. All those negative stereotypes go. So I feel like um, people think that just because you hire a whole bunch of women that that means that gender bias doesn't exist. But we know that if you put, you know, if a man and a woman say the same thing in a meeting, there's different things that's going to be associated with that man. And, mm-hmm. oh, he's so strong or, or you know, or he's so he's such a leader. But if a woman says it, why is she being such a bitch? Right, right. So I think right. that's more so, uh, maybe that's like the shift that we're having in 2018. Because, you know, women, you know, we we are achieving more equality. We're getting more jobs and stuff like that. But it's like once you're in that role, how are you treated? Exactly. And that goes into uh, what they call it, internalized misogyny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to say mm-hmm. that. Yeah, you, you, think, you think because it's all women, okay, we're all good here, but... 
No, you still have those misogynistic thoughts, even as a woman. Like, if you have a whole group of black folks, you think everybody going to be cool, but then you might have those black people that look down on some other black people because they listen to hip-hop or they dress a certain way or something like that. But, um, yeah, because I, I hear that even at the school. Like I say, I don't I don't suffer that much gender bias, but you do hear that at, the, at my school that I work at. The principal is a woman, and she's a little more straightforward, and she wants things done. Um, in contrast to the principal that we did have who was a man and was just super laid back and didn't care about nothing and so now that she comes on the scene it's like oh my gosh ooh this you know folks talking and whispering behind their back about how she this and that when she's just trying to get stuff done but because it's coming from a woman um, then it's a problem exactly and I guarantee you even in in the previous principal's um, even in his, uh, even in his position, people will still look to him and by default consider him a leader, right? right. Even though he may not have had, you know, very good leadership qualities, uh-huh. but just because he's a male, it's automatically assumed, oh, he's probably a good leader. Whereas with the woman has to prove herself. And then once we do prove ourselves, oh, you tripping, you a bitch. Right. Oh, Lord, help him. KT, what right. can we do? <laughs> <laughs> Tell us. I feel like, um, God, what is that book? I don't know. I just, I can't think of what the book is now, but, uh, really, really famous, uh, popular feminist where she talks about whenever, huh? Bell Hooks. hooks, Yes. Yes. Where she talks about, uh, no, ain't I, it's not, ain't I a woman. It's, uh, anyway, I'll talk about it later. Anyway. She talks about basically how um, when feminism started, they would have women in like in each other's homes, just having conversations, having cordial debates, having like basically just talking about certain things and having conversations about them, putting people, you know, who were not aligned with their uh, or with the thinking of it into a place where they could explain, hey, this is the facts. This is how it goes and blah, 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 blah. And I feel like we should do that. You know what I'm saying? We need to have conversations where we actually talk about these things. Yes, that is talk it out, but that is just <laughs> talk it out. You know what I'm saying? I'm like about it in the homes. Yes, I'm talking about talking about it at homes in your community and and speaking to others about what you feel and mm-hmm. being able to have those conversations that are not like oh my god you're a terrible person because you think this you know like it needs to be something where everyone can come together and agree to a specific rule that nobody's gonna get mad or upset because someone is telling you some facts well i I do think about that because sometimes we don't have i I don't ever remember having these conversations with like people i worked with about why do you think that they girl is or that that leader is a b-i-t-c-a like why are you calling her combative and aggressive when she just came here and just said why aren't you doing your job we don't have those conversations you're right you're right yeah yeah we definitely don't have those conversations but i think it would be very interesting to see kind of like honestly the way black panther has been a catalyst for us to have so many conversations i'm not saying somebody needs to make a 
a movie about it, but mm-hmm. it has to be something to bring everybody together. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. Conversations kind of, you know, spiral out of that. Um, you know, whether somebody dropped like a fire album about it, a music album, and we talk about that, or whether it's a movie, or you know, whether it's um, or even I feel like some of those conversations happen um with the uh, the Me Too movement and the Times Up movement. You know, uh-huh. like those conversations are happening. I think that is just our job to like keep the conversation going on a outside bigger scale right. outside yeah. of social media. Exactly. Cause yeah. that's a big thing too. Y'all like people like you will sit there and like say your point about something on social media, on Twitter. And then like, you could pass somebody, like you could be in your house. Right. And talk to somebody about it. And then you just like, wait, like we just had this conversation on Twitter, but somebody who's 10 years older than you or 20 years older, than you like, they're not on Twitter. Right. So it's right, like, right. We're having these conversations among themselves, but we don't take it outside of social media so that, you know, the people who really need to hear the conversations don't hear it. Yep. yep. That's true. That's 100 percent true. I try to have a little conversation with my mama, but she don't be. <laughs> <laughs> Girl, that's my mama going through having a 50-minute rant about Jesus and stuff. I'm like, uh, uh, I just, never mind. <laughs> so, I mean, so, yeah, even to kind of, like, bring it back to Black Panther, I feel like that's what's also so great about Black Panther is that it has sparked so many different conversations. And if we could get more catalysts like this, like, to talk about more, like, more issues, that something that brings everybody together, I think that would that will really start to us to move in the right direction and that way it doesn't stay just on social media you're right because i mean any other time we would be like you would just be like you're at work at the water cooler let's talk about the animosity between black americans and native africans (laughs) (laughs) what girl get out of here but black panther has allowed that to happen you're Mm -hmm. right that's why the media is so powerful it's really right. powerful. And, you know, it, it has its problems and stuff like that. But it definitely does have a way of bringing people together to have those conversations. You're right. I definitely yep. agree. All right. Well, thank you so much, Janae, for coming on here. We had a really good time. We thank you for coming and chatting with us, talking it out with us. and um, Thank you all for having me. You know, it's been a little minute. I've been struggling to get on here, but you know, my time <laughs> came, and I came, and I rise, and I sleep. Okay, I <laughs> uh, you did. Can you please uh, tell everybody again where they can find you and plug your social media and your podcast and everything? So if you want more foolishness from Cortland Janae, you can find me on Twitter at It's K-Janae, that's I-T-S-K-J-E-N-A-E, that's I-T-S-K-J-E-N-A-E. And of course, my podcast is Clearly Misunderstood, well, Apple Pops, uh, SoundCloud, Stitcher, just search Clearly Misunderstood, and you can follow us on social media at CME Radio. We are really, really funny, you guys. I'm not just saying that because I'm on a podcast, but um, <laughs> like legit, like we get tweets. I, I can probably count two or three tweets that we've gotten just in the last couple of weeks of people being like, girl, I was listening to y'all and I almost wrecked my car laughing Ooh. because I spilled water. <laughs> like, so I'm saying like legit, we are dangerously funny. Yes, Don't they are. Disclaimer, because you did. Um, So definitely check us out. And it was an absolute pleasure being with y'all. I hope y'all have me back again. Hopefully I wasn't too ignorant. I tried to read some articles so I didn't sound, you know, as ignorant. Um, so I can <laughs> I was like, oh wait, I'm gonna talk it out. They be talking about real stuff. Let me prepare myself. So that's what I'm <laughs> You did a great job. 
great. Oh, thank you, girl. Thank you. Yes, yes. Everybody go check out that podcast. Follow them on, on all the social media accounts and on Instagram. Let them know that we sent you. And while you're at it, make sure you hit us up on our social media, Facebook.com slash Talk It Out Podcast, Instagram at Talk It Out Podcast, Twitter at Talk It Out underscore pod. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you share it with your family, your friends, your loved ones. This has been your girl, Gabby. And KT. <laughs> and <laughs> Cortland Janae. And this has been Talk It Out. Talk It Out.